This is episode number 66 with globally active strategist, executive coach, and facilitator, Alex Brookman. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Before we drop into the episode, a quick message from our sponsor, 919 Marketing. I've worked with 919 Marketing for years, and there's no one I trust more with my marketing needs in any of our businesses. I've worked with them in our franchise businesses, in my consulting business. I've worked with them on the franchisor side. And I love working with 919 because they take the time to listen. They take the time to understand what it is I'm looking to accomplish through my marketing, who I'm trying to reach, and then they help me put a plan together to do just that. I've worked with tons of marketing companies over the years, and too often it's a one-size-fits-all approach, but not with 919 Marketing. In addition to that, they've developed some amazing technology called 919 Insights, franchising's first and only AI-powered analytics platform. With 919 Insights in place, 919 Marketing can identify the exact topics that matter to your franchise candidates and provide the specific roadmap to help your brand become the highest ranking and most trusted resource when they're searching for answers. So if you're ready to start getting better results from your marketing, and if you want a free demo of 919 Insights, reach out to Graham Chapman at 919-459-8157 or send them an email at gchapman at 919marketing.com to schedule your free demo today. So whether you're a franchisor, a franchisee, or just getting started in your first franchise business, make sure to check out 919 Marketing and tell them West Barefoot sent you. Now. Let's drop into the episode. All right, guys, I've got an amazing guest lined up today. His name is Alex Brookman. Alex is an entrepreneur, an author, an executive coach. He has built, scaled, and exited companies in Europe and Canada. And all of that has led to Alex today being a business strategy expert where he works with entrepreneurs and small business owners to help them design as well as implement and execute a strategy that is actually going to help them accomplish their goals. And, you know, in this episode, Alex shares with us that so many business owners and entrepreneurs really don't have a good strategy in the first place, or if they do, it's maybe not as well thought through as it should be. They're not as clear as they should be on their strategy. And so, you know, that's where Alex comes in is helping people uh, and their businesses get crystal clear on what their strategy should be, making sure everyone involved in the organization is on the same page and that they are able to effectively 
implement that strategy. So this is a topic that is critical for any business owner, any entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur to really dive into and and wrap their head around because without a good strategy, your business is likely going nowhere or you don't even know what you're working so hard towards or how you're going to get there if you do have that vision. So that's what Alex specializes in. He shares some amazing insight and advice with us in this episode. So without further ado, let's go ahead and drop in with Alex Brookman. Just share a little bit about yourself with the audience that, that may not be familiar with you. You know, what are you doing today? And, and then I definitely want to hear a little bit of your journey in terms of how you got to this point. For sure. So what I'm doing today is um, twofold. On the one hand, I work with large global corporations on um, helping them distill the essence out of their strategy. And uh, when I say strategy, I mean business strategy. Right. Um, so business-related strategy. I'm not talking about a marketing strategy or an HR strategy. Those are pieces that sit within kind of the, the, the business strategy. So I'm talking about the bigger picture. Uh-huh. And um, on the other hand, I um, use the knowledge of the past 15 years in strategy and repackage it in a way that it helps um, smaller businesses, entrepreneurs, small business owners, helping them get their head around the topic of business strategy um, from a perspective that makes sense for the size of their venture, if you know what I mean. Sure. Yeah, because depending on the size of the organization, that's going to enlarge, determine what the strategy needs to look like, I would imagine. Exactly. And um, I mean, the process that you go through as a small business owner versus a large organization is more or less the same because the rules of mm. the business are not so different, right? Um, but it's the speed and rigor and, and the way how rigorously you, you can go through it and what you can decide on the spot as an entrepreneur is just different than if you have a large organization with a hell lot of different stakeholders. Sure. Yeah. Different stakeholders and just more moving parts and pieces that have to get in line and, and moving in the same direction. So I, yeah. I imagine it could be much quicker with, with smaller businesses or, you know, startups or, or even, you know, for solopreneurs. So I'm excited to get into more of that because I know you've got a lot to, to share on that topic, but how did you get to the point where, you know, you're advising not only large corporations, but also small businesses on their business strategy? I mean, what's, what's gotten you to the point where, companies will pay you uh, to come in and, and help with this. I mean, it, I think it's like with everything that anyone ever did in life, you need to learn a lot before you can sell your knowledge. Sure. So I, I still don't consider myself kind of a strategy guru far from that. I'm a constant learner. I'm a curious explorer. Um, I just go through the world with open eyes and, and, and dive into topics that um, I think are interesting mm-hmm. um, from a strategy perspective. And um, it's just constant education yeah. um, and learning on the job. So I'm, I'm, I'm also, uh, I, I get my kicks out of um, deepening my academic knowledge about strategy. But what I really enjoy is client projects, like hands-on strategy work. And I think over time, I amassed a, some kind of um, knowledge that is, valuable that I started to repackage, that I started to write about, and people think it's valuable for them. So 
that is basically the the the, fu the foundation for building a business if someone thinks that you have something valuable to offer then you have a chance to dig into that and figure out what that value looks like and whether you can package it in a way that it is accessible, digestible, and actionable. And that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, well, and if people actually see the value, then you grow your business, right? Because more people will uh, come and pay you for the value that that you're able to add and uh, word spreads. But you know, if, if your accent doesn't give you away, you're from Germany originally. Um, that's correct. Now you're living in Vancouver, right outside of Vancouver. Um, I know you've you've personally been involved in some uh, some startups and and built businesses, sold businesses um, before you got into to some of the the coaching and consulting that you're doing now. Tell us tell us a little bit about you know some of your entrepreneurial journey uh, that's helped get you to this point. The first business that I actually built was oh more than 20 years ago when I um, started a small side hustle, like a, like a marketing business with my back then girlfriend okay. um, who was working full-time um, for, for an agency um, and then wanted to start a side hustle. And I was DJing at that point in time, kind of semi-professionally. And okay. we were trying to figure out how we could combine those two things mm. and um, started to basically sell ad space on flyers for discotheques. Back then, that was a thing. So clubs had flyers that mm -hmm. were yeah. lying around everywhere. <laughs> and you had um, uh, large posters and there was dedicated space for um, companies that wanted to use the opportunity for advertising. So that's what we did. More or less successfully, when the relationship, when the relationship broke, <laughs> the business broke with it. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. So that was kind of my first, um, my first side hustle. And then later, um, many years later, um, I got into um, a company called Strategic Leadership Group. Back then, it wasn't a group. Back then, it was one person, the founder, um, a dear friend of mine. And I joined forces with him. So he was the company owner. Um, I was his first employee, so to speak. Yeah. But um, we ran the company in a way that I never saw myself as an employee. I always saw myself as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the freedom that I had to operate and the responsibilities that I had were the responsibilities of an entrepreneur, of a company owner, not of an employee, kind of. So even if I was, technically speaking, employed, it was an incredible journey an entrepreneurial journey. And when I, when I transitioned to Canada or even before uh, I transitioned to Canada, we handed over um, some of my responsibilities to new people that we hired and to existing team members, because um, you need to make sure that those, that the operations and the client projects and everything continues just because mm -hmm. the managing director leaves the company should not mean that everything goes down the drain. Right. Absolutely. So at that point in time, I started my own venture um, about two years, more than two years ago now. Um, and ever since have been a full-time entrepreneur, which is just the best. I should have done that 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know you, you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs that, that have the same uh, kind of sentiment, right? Is that, you know, I should have done this a long time ago. And it's interesting to me, you know, to, to hear that from so many entrepreneurs 
you know, assuming they they worked, you know, as an employee in some capacity prior to, to starting their own business, because there's so many ups and downs as an entrepreneur. And there's a lot of hard days. There's a lot of sleepless nights. I mean, there's no doubt that that most entrepreneurs, at least at some point in their journey, they have a lot more stress than they would as an employee, especially if you're an employee where you can kind of, you know, come home from the office at the end of the day and, and mentally clock out. Um, yet so many people would say, hey, even with the ups and the downs, even with the added stress, even with the added responsibility, I wish I would have done this a long time ago. Um, I'm curious in, in from your perspective, why do you, why do you feel that is? Why, why, why do you enjoy being an entrepreneur so much compared to working for someone else? It's the freedom, yeah. the ability to spend my time as I wish. Yeah. And it's, it's possible. I, I understand that not every entrepreneur has reached that level of freedom yet. Um, but that is why you are in the game. You want to earn enough money in order to decide how you spend your time. And once you've reached that, this is something that you never reach as an entrepreneur, as an employee. This is just impossible to reach yeah. um, because you, you are being paid for your time. And as an entrepreneur, you're not being paid for your time. You are being rewarded for the value that you deliver to a client in a way that if it's financially viable, in a way that, that it allows you to spend your time the way you want. And I'm not talking about your spare time. I'm talking about your time in general. Yeah. So the work that I do, the clients that I work for, I pick them. I decide whether I take a project or not. Yeah. This is impossible as an employee. You yeah. do whatever is being, <laughs> what's needed, what your boss tells you, right? Or you won't be an employee for very long. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> so for me right now, I've reached this point in my life where spending my time with my 19-month-old son is so much more important than just taking on another client project. Yeah. So having reached this, this level of freedom is so rewarding. Um, and I, th I think that is the essence of success for me, being in charge of how I spend my time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, it's it's the premise behind the entire podcast, right? And and what I do in my consulting business and the people that I work with is helping them, you know, figure out if making that transition into business ownership is is the right thing for them. And if so, you know, helping them navigate that that process. And and I think too, like as an entrepreneur, because you're still gonna have to do things you don't want to do, right? I mean, you know, you are getting to work on the things that you want to do, but with that is likely going to come things that you'd prefer not to do if, if given the choice, but it's necessary. I just think it's it's easier to, you know, get through the hard times and get through the hard days when you're building something that's that's yours versus building something for someone else. You know, there's just more more drive, I think, for most entrepreneurs because it's theirs. To be very frank, Wes, I don't do things that I don't enjoy anymore. I outsource them. There are people who enjoy them that are really good at them. So I outsource them. I have yeah. people that support me with taxes. I don't do my taxes. <laughs> I'm not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. not fun. But there are people that are really good at it. And they have their own business. So I hire them in order to do my taxes. And the same is true for other topics that I'm not an expert in. 
Um, let's take online marketing for an example. Mm -hmm. um, I studied business administration. I actually majored in marketing, but that's some years ago. Right. The world has developed. Online marketing today looks different. Yes. Successful marketing looks different than it used to look 10, 12, 15 years ago. So there are people that support me with it. And of course, they just can't roll on their own. They need my input. But that's the stuff I enjoy. Sure. I yeah. enjoy delivering the content that they then repackage and reuse to make it work. And um, this is something that I enjoy a lot working with people, even if they are not my employees, mm -hmm. um, even if they are service providers, I treat them as if they were my employees, they become part of my team. Sure. And, and thereby I allow myself to use the time that I have for the work that is the most valuable investment of my time. Yes. It's just, le it's, it's maximizing my own value for the company, right? Well, it's, it's such a good point. And, and I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, you can outsource anything in this day and age, especially. And so even if you are a solopreneur, no reason you couldn't build your own team out. They may not be W2 employees that work solely for you, but yeah, I mean, we have CPAs, we have, um, you know, bookkeepers. I've got people that help me with, digital marketing. I've got an editor for the podcast. Um, one of the best things I did, and I waited way too long to do it, was I brought on someone to help me with the administrative yeah. type stuff, right? I mean, yeah. that's the stuff that I'm not good at. And so, you're, I mean, you're exactly right. As, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, regardless of the size of your organization, you need to get very clear on what is the best use of my time, right? Where will I get the strongest return or where will my organization get the strongest return on the investment of my time and then figure out how to get as much else off your plate so that you can focus the majority of your time on those things. Uh, I've had a guest on the podcast and I've read his books. I've heard him speak. His name's Jack Daly. You know, he's thought of as one of the best sales coaches in the world. And, and he's got a, a term that he uses that's always really resonated with me. He calls it high payoff activities or mm. HPAs. So that's how I think of, of these things, right? It's like, what are my HPAs and how do I position myself so that the vast majority, if not all of my time is being spent on these HPAs? And, and I would venture to say, maybe this will kind of lead us into to some of the strategy coaching that you do with your clients. I would venture to say that that's probably uh, somewhat of where you start when, when you're working with a new client in order to help them you know, better develop a, a strategy for their business? Strategy is first and foremost saying no to maybe 90% of things. It's yeah. about saying yes to, if we use that term, H HPAs. Yeah. It's understanding what your absolute priorities need to be mm. in order to be successful. And um, why would you want to waste your time on stuff that doesn't matter? In order to get to that point, you need to realize what, what doesn't matter and what does not matter. So the process of strategy is often a process of prioritizing based on a vision that you want to reach, a state of your business that you want to reach. Let's say if you are an entrepreneur, some employees, a fairly successful business, and you have this gut feeling that tells you, I think I can make this more successful. I, I think I can build something 
that is um, more geared towards clients than it is today, which will make it more successful. Mm -hmm. Then you ask yourself, how do I get there? And, and that is strategy, defining the way to get there. And this means prioritizing and saying no to basically anything that is not valuable and not supportive of getting you there. And um, there is a direct connection between what we just discussed, Wes, and, and how strategy work starts. Because for us entrepreneurs, everything out there is an opportunity. We see opportunities everywhere and yeah. be like, oh, I could do this. And if I include this in my portfolio, it could lead to that. And it's like playing a, a game of cards where the card on the deck is probably the next best card. It gives you a pair, <laughs> but you know, then you have three pairs. You would, you'd probably be better off with something else than three pairs. But the three pairs are the shiny object in front of you. Yeah. So you mm -hmm. need to go beyond that shiny object. You need to understand what really matters and what is just a distraction. And, and that, I mean, it makes perfect sense, but it, it can be a challenge. Um, I know it's something that I've struggled with. I'm, you know, in the businesses that we own, I'm, I'm just more naturally, I guess what you would call the visionary, right? I can think big picture. I like, um, you know, kind of creating that long-term vision. I'm not good at filling in the gaps, right? Putting the processes in place to connect the dots to get us from A to Z. And thankfully, my wife and other people involved in our businesses are, are much better with that than I am. But I, I fall prey to, to the temptation of chasing the shiny object a lot of times. And, and I would imagine that's common for a lot of business owners because many owners or founders do tend to be more of that kind of visionary so, I mean, what, what advice would you have to, to another entrepreneur out there that's currently struggling with that or, or has struggled with, um, even though they know like, hey, these are, these are the things that move the needle in my business, but they're constantly finding themselves getting distracted and, and chasing, you know, these shiny objects as we're referring to them. If you have burned your fingers often enough, you will understand at which point in time you should stop, look and listen. Um, so... You've, you've been there, you've seen it. You know how it feels to chase a shiny object. Um, so when you play poker and you hold an, an ace and a king, right? We call this an Anna Kurnikova. Um, most, most people don't know her anymore. She was a very successful Russian tennis player. Um, she looked awesome, but she really wasn't the best tennis player. So oh, I, I remember. See? <laughs> so an, a, an ace and a king, they look good, but they don't really serve for nothing right yeah yeah so that's it but that's a typical shiny object uh, you, you see it and you'd be like oh i could do something with that awesome <laughs> and um i've i've held the anakunikova several times and it never really worked so now when i when i when i hold her i understand that i better think about what i do with it and not being sucked in by how shiny this object is so with a certain level of maturity comes a certain level of self-discipline. Yeah. And I think that's what's needed at that point in time. It's about consciously asking yourself, is this an opportunity? Yes, no. If yes, don't rationalize it. 
into an opportunity, be brutally honest with yourself and ask yourself, if that's my strategy, my business strategy, how does this object fit in? Where does it fit in and how does it help me move the needle? If you're not sure, test it, find out. But most of the time you would immediately realize if you ask yourself, does it fit in? And if yes, where? And if the answer is not yes, then you immediately know it's a shiny object. Just let it go. Say thank you for pumping up my adrenaline for 10 minutes. And now you're free to go opportunity. I like that. It's good advice. And, and, you know, I love what you said in terms of like, Hey, if you've got a really solid strategy in place, then kind of use that as your filter, right? If, if this doesn't fit in with the strategy, then why, why spend any more time on it? And, and so look, I think most business owners out there, you know, anyone that's considering becoming a business owner would, would agree with the statement, Hey, if I'm going to start a business, I probably need a good strategy uh, in order to do that. Yet, many business owners really struggle with this, hence the need to, to bring in a, a strategy specialist like yourself to help. So, I mean, in your experience, why, why is coming up with a, a good strategy in the first place difficult for so many, so many business owners? I think the, the main reason is because they have never done it before. It's a muscle that is completely untrained. Mm. Um, if I were to start, if I, if I were to get my head around, uh, I don't know, M&A right now, I would start at a very low level understanding what M&A actually is and how it works and what it means for my company. Um, because I've never done it before, it's a muscle that is actually very weak. Yeah. And the same is true for strategy. If you have not used strategic frameworks as a thought process guiding you through um, certain steps defining strategy, if you've not done this before in a professional way or in a structured way, then it's really difficult to get access to that topic. And it's, it's also the, the term strategy as such is being misused so in so many different ways that it's kind of a buzzword for many. And, yeah. and, and they have, a, have some sort of understanding of what it is and they just don't stop and think, wait a minute, is that really strategy? What is strategy really in the first place? Yeah. So, and, and, that, and that's the reason. Most people become entrepreneurs not because they have a business administration background and want to build a company and, and, and lead a company. They become entrepreneurs passion-based because there is something that they're really good at, something that they want to bring to the world. And um, if you don't have an academic background in management, the topic of strategy typically doesn't just knock on your door and be like, here I am, right. that's how it works, right? So you should figure out first and foremost what business strategy frameworks are out there and how can I use them for my business? So not some static stuff, but frameworks that you can apply to your own business. And I think this, this is the value in working with um, a guy like me and not necessarily me, but using some of my free resources, for example, on my website. There is so much free knowledge out there that an entrepreneur can tap into that, that you can use um, to start flexing that strategy muscle. 
and getting better and better and better over time. If you only use a tool once in your life, let's say you've, you took a hammer and a nail at age 15 and you used it once, you would never say now that you're 30 or 40, I'm an expert in <laughs> hammering a nail into wood, right? You would never, you would never dare. Right. So with the same kind of um, humbleness, you should approach the topic of business strategy and be honest to yourself and with yourself and be like, yeah, I know as a business owner, I should know about strategy, but I also should know about X, Y, and Z. I don't. So let's just educate myself around that topic and then start with free resources. Well, and it, it kind of ties into your point from earlier that, you know, if, if it's not your, your expertise, like for most entrepreneurs, it's probably not, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with outsourcing that, you know, and Absolutely. it doesn't have to be permanent, right? You can outsource it in the sense that someone like yourself comes in, spends some time with you to get the right strategy in place, show you how to implement it. And then, you know, and that's something we need to understand in that, in that context, Wes. A guy like me doesn't come in. I'm not McKinsey. I don't tell you how to run your business. I don't tell you how your strategy would look like. What I do is I help you distill your knowledge, your gut feelings, your vision into something that can serve afterwards as a go-to point, as a filter, as something that helps you run your business successfully and intentionally work towards um, the type of business you want to own in three, four, five years down the road. So I'm a facilitator, not a mm. consultant in that sense. And I, I believe this is super important because you need to own this strategy. If you just take something that someone produced for you, you would never say, I own this tax report that my CPA uh, created, right? Right. That's, that's her work. <laughs> so, and the same is true for strategy. If I wrote that down, it would always be, Alex's strategy that I'm implementing now. That's not going to work because the first bump in the road that you will hit, you'll be like, ooh, I did not design that. That was Alex. So it's his fault. <laughs> so it's right. really about ownership and understanding that this is your baby. And, and that's what guys like me help you uh, come up with. So you're basically helping a business owner take their own knowledge, their own understanding of their business and apply it appropriately to, to formulate a comprehensive strategy for their business? In a way, yes. And I will make sure that I push you so far out of your comfort zone that you realize that there is so much more that you can do than what you think you can do right now. Yeah. And then I will help you to understand what it is that you need to do in order to get there. A strategy that doesn't make you feel uncomfortable is not a strategy. A strategy should is, is the way towards a vision. And if that vision is so small that it doesn't give you goosebumps, then it's not worth the paper you've written it on. So you should always aim very, very high, not in the sense that you quadruple your revenues. That's just a number, right? It's, it's about building something that you cannot imagine that you cannot possibly know how to get there today. And that's fine because strategy is the future. It is working towards something that is amazing some way down the road, not yet right now. And it's fine 
to understand that, hey, I'm not 100% sure how to get there. That's okay, because then it's a good strategy. Then it's a good vision. If you knew already how to build that and know every detail already, it's maybe more operational excellence than it is strategy. Mm. Yeah, that's a good distinguishment. So, so I imagine when you take on a new client, a, a starting point for you is, I mean, because based on everything you said, you have to have, I would imagine, a pretty deep understanding of their business in order to really add value. So I would imagine that understanding the vision that the business has or that the owner of the business has is, is probably one of, if not the starting point for you. Assuming that's accurate, how many business owners that, that you've worked with do you find have a very clear vision for where they want their business to go? And, and how many do you find they, they really don't? And, and maybe they don't even you know, really know what they're trying to build. There are two answers to that question. The first is, I actually don't have to understand your business. That's the, that's the smart piece about the work that I do. If I had to understand every business before I could help them come up with a strategy, I would be busy all day understanding a new industry. It doesn't work like that. What we do as facilitators is we help you through a process that works in order to get you to your vision. We help you break it down into measurable pieces and then break it down into strategic pillar projects, focus areas, basically, that you prioritize. The the process is applicable irregardless of whether you run a medical office or whether you are running a coaching business or whatever it is that you do. Even if you are laying bricks, that's applicable to your business as well. It doesn't really matter. And that's, that's the interesting piece. The process that we designed is the value that we bring. It's not the knowledge of a certain industry. We know which questions we need to ask in order to get you where you want to be. That's the first part of the answer. The second part of the answer is, yes, most of the companies we work for have a very fuzzy understanding of their future. Mm-hmm. They and, and it's clear because they are, why, why were they hired? By a company in the first place because they are experts in a certain field and then you become better and better and all of a sudden you're in a leadership position and now everyone expects you to understand strategy and to un- and everyone wants you to lead the company into the future but how on earth would you know how to do that you've never done this before most of the senior leaders in large organization we work with they have probably gone through one strategy cycle in their entire career because it's, if you are young, you maybe contribute to strategy, mm-hmm. um, but you don't design it. Right. If you are then somewhere in middle management, you get consulted and you, you are to deliver input in the design process as well. But the full picture, you actually only work on once you're in a senior leadership position. And I mean, how often do you actually design strategy from scratch? So... Most entrepreneurs that I've worked with do have some sort of a strategy in place, often kind of fragmented in their minds. Mm-hmm. It's not a written down document. Right. Um, and, and that is the issue. 
if it's not written down, you never know where the flaws are because writing crystallizes your thinking. Yes. The moment you have to write it down, you see it, you read it, you'd be like, ah, I think that is a bit of a pipe dream here. This is not really a strategy. Right. So it's, it's, um, there are entrepreneurs that do have a written down strategy. At least that's what they call it. And then there are some that just don't have anything written down. And um, this is our starting point. We help you distill your thoughts onto paper, rework it, rework it, and make it as, as aspirational and manageable and purpose-driven as it can possibly be in order to fire you up to actually really work towards it. Wes here. You may have noticed there's a franchising theme to this podcast. And that's because franchising has had a massive impact on my life. And it's the very reason I'm walking my own path to freedom. In fact, one of my companies is a franchise consulting company where I work with people to help them understand franchising and determine if it might be a good fit for them. And if it is something they want to explore, then I help them navigate the entire investigative process and ultimately find a franchise business that's a great match for them. You know, the fact of the matter is there are thousands and thousands of franchise businesses out there today. And like anything, there are good ones and there are bad ones. Even out of the many, many great franchise companies, not every one of them would necessarily be a good fit for you. You know, buying a franchise is a huge decision and you don't want to wing it. I've helped many people buy franchise businesses over the years, and my wife and I have bought and own franchises today, and we plan to keep investing in franchise businesses. I love helping people understand this process and help them find a business that's going to be a great fit for them and help them accomplish their goals and ultimately create that freedom in their life that we're all looking for. The best part of all of this is that my services are free to the people I work with, and while I do love to contribute to charities and other great causes, I'm not a nonprofit. I'm compensated by the franchise companies I work with when I introduce them to someone that ends up becoming one of their franchisees. It's very similar to real estate, but with franchises. I have the privilege of working with hundreds and hundreds of the best franchise companies out there across practically every industry. So I can be absolutely confident that when I recommend someone to look at a franchise company, I'm introducing them to a very credible and proven company with a solid business model and great support. So if you think you might be interested in learning more about franchising and seeing if it might be right for you, I'd love to speak with you. Get in touch with me by email at wes at path2freedom.com, path, the number two, frdm.com. And also check out my website at pathtofreedom.com, spelled the same way, where I've got a ton of resources, both franchise and non-franchise related, that will help you start down your own path to freedom. And of course, subscribe to and follow the podcast for more great advice about business ownership. And if you know anyone else that might be interested in speaking with me, please share this podcast with them. Thanks for listening to my shameless plug. Now let's drop back into the episode. So once you've once you've come in and you've run a client through this process that you have and, and you have a strategy in place now, whether they had some sort of a strategy already or they had really nothing yeah. in place. Once you've got, you know, a, a really solid strategy there. Now it's time to implement and execute. Correct. Yeah. Um, 
because I, I would imagine you've seen companies over your your career that had a good strategy, but they still weren't getting the results that they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so so why is that? I mean, why do why do companies, even if they have a good strategy, struggle to implement, struggle to execute? Therefore, they're not getting the results. Uh, to be very honest, Wes, there are, oh God, hundred thousand reasons why <laughs> they would not see the results. But let sure. me let me give you some observation that I made over time. So once you have a strategy in place, it's worth nothing if you don't start implementing it. Starting to implement it means to actually take decisions, to do things differently than you did before. Mm -hmm. Strategy inherently means change. If there's no change in your strategy, it's not a strategy. It's just you do whatever you've always done, right? So daring to do things differently is the first hurdle that companies need to overcome, that entrepreneurs need to overcome. Getting uncomfortable. Exactly. Um, not everyone likes that. So some people just have their beautiful strategy, hold them in their hands and be like, if I only, but they never do. So let's assume you overcome that hurdle and you actually start doing things differently. Depending on, how, on the size of your organization, leadership becomes a real um, a key distinguishing element, whether you are successfully implementing a strategy or not. Mm. Because leadership means knowing how to implement strategy, how to lead strategy. And it's different than to lead a company. And you know what I mean? Like in an operational sense. Sure. So there lies um, a big hurdle for many so that they don't know what to do with it, how to actually put it, put that piece of paper, put that strategy now into action. So the the translation point from something that looks good on paper to bring it into action, that is often difficult. That's what we help people with, where we break down a vision into actionable buckets that people can take and run with. This is super important because this in the end means you start turning the wheel and you're you're seeing results. when you, when you work on a strategy, what you hold in your hands, it will never be perfect because it's impossible, inherently impossible because we're talking about the future and we don't know the future. We can make informed assumptions and decisions. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it's and, and that's another reason why often good strategies just don't produce results. We need to understand that at some point in time, we need to start implementing this strategy, whether it's perfect or not. And Mm -hmm. if we are a perfectionist, we will never be satisfied with something, with that strategy. So I always tell my clients, I would rather see you start implementing a strategy that is maybe 80% ready and do this with 100% conviction and full force than waiting for your 90, 99% strategy and not going anywhere with it. Yeah. So the best strategy is the strategy that you implement. It's not the strategy that looks perfect on paper. I think that's that's such good advice, right? Because I mean, I, I think it probably is one of the biggest things that that holds so many businesses back from growing to the next level. And and in the work that I do, you know, working with people that that are considering getting into business for themselves 
it's it's by far one of the biggest things that holds people back from ever from ever taking that step, right? Is they're they're waiting, you know, for the perfect business, right? I mean, you know, I specialize in franchising, right? So I help people, you know, identify franchise businesses that could be a good fit for them. I help them do the due diligence and the research. And and I have to tell people this all the time. I'm like, spoiler alert, the perfect business doesn't <laughs> exist. Okay. So if that's what you're looking for, like, let's go ahead and save ourselves some time right now because that's that's a never ending rabbit hole to go down. So number one, like it, it, it perfection doesn't exist in in a business uh or a strategy and the timing, right? I mean, a lot of the people that I work with, it's like, well, you know, I like it. It all makes sense. Yeah, I could see myself doing it. Yeah, I, I think I would really be successful doing it. But, you know, we just had an election and I don't know what's going to happen or uh, the economy's not great. I keep hearing in the news that it's really hard to hire people right now. And it's just like there's all these things. And it's like, look, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know how things are going to play out. The, the timing will never be perfect, whether it's to implement a new strategy or to, to start a new business in the first place. So, you know, action is what creates results. And, and I would imagine with, you know, the strategy, taking that initial action, I mean, yeah, you want to make informed assumptions. You want to put in as much work up front as you can so that you feel confident that the, the strategy you have is, is really strong. But taking that action, I would imagine is so key because once you get started, then you can really start poking holes in it and you can figure out, all right, we were a little bit off here. We need to make some adjustments here. And, and I would imagine you're able to really continue to dial it in uh, over time because you're actually seeing that strategy in action. You only learn from starting to implement. Yeah. You only see whether something is actually going to work or not. It doesn't matter how good it looks on paper or how good the idea seems to be in your brain. It's uh, the proof is in the pudding, as they say, right? Yeah. So you need to start implementing and um, learn as you go, adjust as you go, realize that things are maybe easier than you thought. So as part of a good strategy, you think about potential barriers that you're going to hit. And sometimes those barriers are only in your head. Yes. Yes. And there, there is no real issue. It was just in your imagination because you are maybe a person that is overly concerned sometimes. Mm -hmm. And in other areas, you realize, I gave it my best shot. It's not going to work. This looks odd. I might not be onto something here, as I thought. And then what do you do? You just don't start implementing your strategy. You adjust and learn and take, an, take a different approach in this specific area. Um, it doesn't mean that the entire strategy is bad just because one idea didn't work. Mm -hmm. um, so th there is a learning in starting to implement, learning as you go, talking to people, bouncing ideas of, of, of other hats. And as I said, you better start implementing. Otherwise, it's just a dream, not a business. Yeah, it's so important. And But I would imagine that's that's a challenge that you run into quite a bit with some of your clients, because assuming you're working with someone that's, that's had their business for some period of time, I mean, it's, you kind of get attached to the way you're doing things, right? And it can be very hard. I mean, we've already talked about it. It's uncomfortable, you know, to change. And so I, I imagine that you do run into some resistance, you know, just like for me, working with people on the, the front side of becoming an entrepreneur, 
you know, they, they like the idea of it. It sounds really good, but taking that actual first step is hard, man. It's scary. Um, and, and so you just got to kind of remember why you're doing it. it. That's why the vision is so important. I mean, I spend a lot of time with the people that I work with, you know, talking about, hey, what's, what's your vision, right? And how does owning a business fit into that? Where are you today? Where are you trying to go? And, and how does owning a business help you get there? Because when you hit those, those points where it's hard to push through, coming back to that vision is, is usually what's going to help you make the hard decision to, to go ahead and, and take action. I agree. And in addition, the best entrepreneurs that I've seen were humble people. They yeah. know when they need help. And um, just because they are in love with what they do does not mean for them that they can't change how they do things here and there. Mm -hmm. um, so I typically don't have an issue with running into resistance when it comes to strategy because I don't tell them what to do. I ask them questions and let them figure it out. And there are always things that are running great in a business and others that don't. Mm -hmm. And if they weren't ready to adjust and to grow and to change some things, they wouldn't even start talking to me. So um, that this is the good part of working with people that want to grow, that want to develop something, that want to build a better business. They are ready to make changes. They are ready to listen. They are ready to explore new questions and to figure out what's in it for them. Yeah, no, it's a good point. I mean, the, the, the people you're working with, you know, they've probably proactively sought you out. So they've, they've exactly. had a realization, you know, Hey, we've got to dial our strategy in or, or, or we need a strategy in the first yeah. place. Yeah. Um, so, so that makes sense. I, I'm curious, you know, cause we've already talked about how, you know, taking action, beginning to implement is, is so important. Do, do you ever see companies that They've, they've put in the work to develop a strategy. They've put in the work to implement it. Uh, things go well for a while. And then over a period of time, they kind of start to go back to old ways of doing things. And, and the strategy, or at least a portion of the strategy, kind of gets thrown to the wayside. If, if that is something that you've seen, you know what, what's your advice to, to a business owner to say, hey, once you've adjusted your strategy and implemented it, here's what to do to make sure that it's sustainable and stays in place for the long term. You probably need to distinguish where you are in the implementation process. So let, let's assume you've written down your strategy, you start implementing it, and um, you see the fruits of your hard work rolling in. This is the first moment where you need to stay strong mm. because you should not um, confuse low-hanging fruit with having reached your vision. So gotcha. just because you've, you've, you see already some great results from that strategy does not mean you're all the way there. Right, yeah. Let's yeah. assume you've, you've, you've worked on it for one and a half, two years already, and there is a lot that you've already achieved. You are more or less there. Um, and, and with that, what I mean is you've reached your vision. Then a crucial step is to burn the bridges, to avoid that you can go back, to, to take away excuses for your people to go back. So what that basically means is you need to adjust 
what we call management systems in an organization. Okay. Processes, structures, ways of working need to be adjusted to the new normal, to the new strategy. And the reason is strategy means change and people don't like change. We like the, the way we do things. Mm -hmm. So let's assume your new strategy means that you deliver your services in a more digital way than before. You transform mm -hmm. parts of your service portfolio, etc. So that means you need to sell differently, most likely, or add a, an, an additional sales channel to, your, um, to the way you sell. Now, if you don't take away the old ways of working, if you don't um, burn the bridges, people most likely, at least partly, will revert back to where they were before just because it's human to do so, because it's what they know, because it's what they are comfortable with. Mm -hmm. um, also, just because you've implemented a new strategy doesn't mean you never have to do this again. You actually should have a rolling strategy. You should be every year, at least twice, you should ask yourself, where are we? And is it time to add the next year or the next two years? That was my next question was, was how often should companies revisit this? Because assuming the strategy is working, chances are the business is growing, which means, you know, you may be bringing in more people on your team. You may be expanding and, and that can take all different types of forms, you know, for, for a business that's growing. So I would imagine that, you know, the, the strategy that gets you to, to one point is not necessarily the exact same strategy that's going to help you keep growing and, and get to the next point. So it sounds like your recommendation is, you know, you need to be kind of stepping back and taking a look at this annually. I would, I would always say at least twice a year, Okay. Um, every six months that that is a very good, depending on the size of your organization, of course, and how fast you can move. Sure. Um, I do it um, every three months for my business. Okay. I ask myself consciously, where am I? Have I reached those milestones in my strategy process? What is next? Where should I focus my energy next on? Because you never know what you should do six, nine months down the road because you don't know where you will be at that point in time. Yeah. And if things go faster than you expect, you can add the next layer earlier than you hoped for, which is great. But if things don't go as you planned in certain areas, then you need to adjust and um, adjusting your strategy is important because it's a living, breathing thing that does not exist in a vacuum. Your company, your business is part of the economy. It's part of your community. It's, it's something that hits a bump once in a while. Let's say a key employee leaves and with that employee leaves a whole bunch of knowledge. What do you do? What's your contingency plan? things like that, they happen. And um, just because shit happens does not mean you need to lose your vision out of sight and your strategy. It's understanding the difference between crisis management and strategy, and mm -hmm. both can exist. Um, revisiting your strategy once in a while, every, every four to six months is definitely a good idea. Yeah. And I, and I would imagine that, that, maybe for larger organizations, it's, it's even more important because you've got more people involved, right? And it can be easy for, 
you know, one department to kind of start branching off from the strategy a little bit. Maybe they think they're still on strategy, but they've gotten a little off course. And meanwhile, another department over here is kind of doing the (laughs) same thing. I mean, I've been involved in leadership teams, you know, before owning my own businesses where, you know, we had a very good process in place for that, but we brought someone in, you know, to, to help us do that. And so we would have a, you know, two day annual meeting to come up with, Hey, these are the, the, the goals and the targets for this year. But then we would have weekly check-ins, but we'd have, you know, like an offsite every quarter to kind of say, all right, here's where we're at. Do we need to adjust? And it, and it was Absolutely. just, it, it was so helpful for keeping everyone on the same page. And yeah. because we were having these regular check-ins, um, everyone knew what the other people on the team and their departments were doing and how they were tracking. And so it just, I think it saved us a lot of time because we weren't, you know, duplicating things. We weren't uh, missing things. I mean, it just, it, it kept everyone, you know, on the exact same page. So it's, it's critical. If you're an entrepreneur running a company with, let's say 20 or 50 people, just imagine what happens if everyone is just off one degree. They yeah. don't pull in the same direction, but everyone is just slightly off. It's hardly recognizable. Yeah. But just imagine what the effect is when 50 people all of a sudden run away in different directions rather than pulling into one concerted uh, direction. The, the loss of speed and energy is tremendous the more people you have unaligned. So this is really important and getting back, get, getting everyone back together, realigning them, um, helping them understand how their piece of the puzzle fits into the bigger picture. This is just really important work for you as an entrepreneur that you need to invest. In. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've seen it. And, and I mean, we've got a, one of our businesses is newer. And so, you know, this is very, this is resonating with me because these are all things that, that, you know, we're working on now and, and, you know, we own franchise businesses, right? So a lot of what you're helping your clients with getting the strategy uh, developed and implemented it, it, the strategy, at least for the most part, is is there, you know, with a good franchise. I mean, that's part of the value is you, you know, you're buying a proven business model. And and with that, you know, comes strategy. Um, but the implementation is still still difficult. I mean, I've I see it all the time with franchisees. I mean, you know, you got some franchisees with one system that are incredibly successful. And you've got franchisees in the same system that you know, or barely making ends meet. And usually it, it all comes down to implementation of the the system or the strategy that's in place. But within that too, I mean, most franchises, you know, you're going to, as a franchise owner, have the ability to, to kind of put your own style, you know, to the business. And so you still need to be able to think strategically and look at your organization and, and be able to develop and implement a strategy. And you know, so we have a, a general manager in, in our most recent franchise, and it's a pretty small company right now. We've got about seven people on our team, but we're growing and, and that team's, you know, growing as the business grows. And, you know, I, I keep kind of telling him the importance of, you know, having a strategy and and implementing it. And, and with strategy comes processes, right? Um and, and that's something that I think has gotten him a little bit uncomfortable because in the beginning, he was kind of just wearing a lot of hats and doing a lot of it. And so we had it all up here in his head. And I'm like, we got to get this documented because, 
And I keep painting this picture for him. I'm like, look, when we're a multi-million dollar business and you've got 20 people on your team, like you're not going to be able to do it all. And you're not going to be able to keep track of it all in your head. Um, so that's why these things are, are important. Cause I can imagine there's some, some entrepreneurs out there listening to this thinking, but Alex, it's, it's just me. Like, <laughs> do I really need to put this much time into to strategy and implementation and, and revisiting that every so often? It's just me, but it's still so important. And, and if your vision for your company has anything to do with scaling beyond just you, the, the sooner you get these things in place, the quicker you'll be able to grow, but also the easier it will be because it's a lot harder to go back once you've got all this happening in your business and then, you know, design the strategy and implement it and put all the processes in place that, that are going to be necessary to execute. I have two thoughts for that, Wes. One is if you always want to be a time teller and never become a clock builder, that's fine. But if you want to grow your business, you need to understand that you telling the time will not grow the business. You need to be able to show other people how to build clocks to tell the time. That's like one that thing. Analogy. And you yeah. definitely need a strategy for that in place. Yeah. Otherwise, you will not grow your business. My business right now, by definition, I'm a solopreneur. The, the employees kind of that I have are the people that work with me, but they are entrepreneurs as well. Right. Um, I outsource work. I outsource certain pieces of mm -hmm. my business that I know they can do better than I can do them myself. I do have a written down strategy in place. It doesn't take me much time because it's what I love, what, I, what I've been doing for a long time. But if you, for example, take the toolkit that's available on my website, that's just a process, again, that guides you through, a certain, through certain questions that help you crystallize your thinking. The moment you have that in front of you, the moment you can work starting to and work towards it. If you are serious about your business, it doesn't really matter wh whether you are an, a solopreneur or an entrepreneur with a successful business already. Strategy is the key. There is no successful business over the long run without a solid strategy in place. If you cannot write down a vision and work towards it, you are just hustling day in, day out without a clear goal in mind. And yeah. your goal is not making more money. That's not a goal. That's a result of good work. Yes. So then, yeah. especially if you're a solopreneur and if you want to grow, write, start writing down your strategy, learn how to write down a strategy and how to execute it. Well, and, and to your point from earlier, once you actually put pen to paper, everything gets a little more clear. Like you may think you have it in your head. And once you actually start to, to write it out, yeah, you'll realize, oh, I hadn't really thought that part of it through, <laughs> or there's a big gap here, or that actually doesn't sound right now that, now that I put it on paper. So, and, and you mentioned the, the toolkit that you have on your website. It is a free resource. I was checking it out before we recorded. Um, I've got a written strategy for my consulting business, but you know, in, in preparing for this and talking with you, I'm going to revisit it. I'm going to use the toolkit that you've provided. I'm going to sit down with our general manager and the other business I just talked about and, and you know, have him uh, spend some time with it as well. So we'll make sure um, to link that in the show notes so other people can find it um, if they want to. It's, it's an amazing 
uh, tool that, that Alex has created and, uh, is, is a free resource. So, um, you know, you, you mentioned something, if, if you have a couple more minutes, there's, there's a, a few things I'd like to get your thoughts on. I know we're not going to have time to, to really dive into to some of this, but you know, you mentioned making more money should not be the goal of starting a business, right? That's the byproduct of providing a service or a product that's valuable. And I completely agree with that. I, I've heard you on some other podcasts talk about, um, you know, purpose-driven businesses. And and you mentioned earlier a lot of entrepreneurs they they end up as entrepreneurs out of passion, not because they set out that they wanted to to own a business. So I'm I'm curious. I mean, what are what are your thoughts around like do do you feel like as as an entrepreneur to be a successful business owner? Do you feel like you need to truly be passionate about whatever the widget is, whatever the product or the, the service is in your business? If you're not, you're not going to stick around for long because when times get tough um, and maybe the business is suffering financially, what will keep you with a business, what will work, help you work through those difficult times is a strong desire to make a difference, to make an impact, to help someone, to help your clients, to deliver value to them. And that goes way beyond money. This is, this is something that is rooted in our desire to be seen, to make a difference, to do good while doing well. You can run a very successful business and just be an asshole to everyone. <laughs> and this is not what you want <laughs> because people will lose interest in working with you. Yeah. So if yeah, you, yeah. if you care, if you truly care about what you do, you will also care about how you do it, how you treat the people around you, what, what your impact is on the environment. For example, if you run a mining company and you're destroying habitat day in and day out, be prepared that you're going to face backlash from environmental activists from the general public, because there's more and more consciousness about those things. If you run a business, you should not generally not destroy or use more resources um, than, you, than you give back. So if, you, if your input factors are, have a negative influence, for example, on the environment or on the health of people working for you, you better make sure that your output factor is overcompensating for that. Mm. And, and I truly believe that a business not only needs to be purpose-driven, it, it needs to address a need out there in the world that you are uniquely positioned to solve. If you, if you don't find this piece, if you, if you can't tell me which issue out there in the world does your business address, then you are probably jumping way too short. And why is that the case? Because if you don't solve an issue out there in the world, there is no client out there in the world. So on the one hand, you need to be clear on what your unique selling proposition is, your USP. What is it? What is the need that you address? And on the other hand, you need to understand where you sit in the bigger picture. This is the whole topic of um, ESG, environmental, social, corporate governance. Those are the issues that come in play into play when we talk about a company, a business as part of the whole ecosystem. We're not talking about a business in isolation, in a vacuum. We're talking about 
the impact that you have, positive and negative, on the society around you, the people around you, the people that work for you, the clients you serve, you serve, or um, the people that work for you up and down the supply chain. Um, do they do they have the ability to live of their work? Is their health compromised by working for you? Um, do they do they have the opportunity to grow as human beings? Do they have the opportunity to provide for their families by doing the work that they do? Or do they need to run three different side jobs just because you're paying them so shitty because you're maximizing your own profit, yeah. right? Yeah. So the impact that you have is becoming more and more of concern for consumers. Mm -hmm. People more and more consciously buy from companies that are not destroying habitat, that are not sucking the life out of the people that work for them. Especially when it comes to bigger corporations, um, this has become a decisive factor for finding funding. So Wall Street and other um, financial places in the world, they are increasingly looking into how you run your business other than uh, not, not just looking at financial gains right. and shareholder value. Yeah. Th these are the magic words around stakeholder capitalism, conscious capitalism. You should definitely go in that direction as an entrepreneur if you want to stay around for more than just um, a few years and optimizing your own financial um, situation. Well, I, I totally agree because you know if you're doing the right thing by the people that work for you, if you're doing the right thing for your clients, right? And, and that can sometimes be painful in the moment, but I'm a big believer that if, if you if you lead your company by always doing the right thing for your team, for your clients, then everything else you want out of business will follow. The, the, the profits, the, uh, the, the resources, the income, all of that will follow. But the, the reason I asked about you know, the, the purpose-driven business and, and you know, as an aspiring entrepreneur, do you need this, this kind of passion-fueled idea to set yourself up for success as a business owner. Cause I work with a lot of people and they're like, Wes, I, I want to be in business for myself. I'm sick of working for other people. You know, a lot of, a lot of the people I work, they've, they've been in, you know, what we call corporate America here in the United States. They've been in the rat race for a long time. And they're like, I'm sick of it. I'm fed up with it. You know, I've been burned too many times. I'm just ready to go do my own thing, but I don't know what I want to do. I don't have that like revolutionary idea. I don't have like that, you know, kind of, you know, passion that you see a lot of people that have started nonprofit organizations with and stuff. And, and my thing to them is, is like, look, cause I I've come to believe this, that, that you don't need to be passionate about whatever the widget is, right? Like in the businesses we own, we sell custom shelving and custom closets. And one of them, we sell insulation in the other business, right? I'm a little more passionate about shelving now that that we have a very successful shelving business, but I sure as hell wasn't passionate about it before we got into the business. What I was passionate about was building a successful company that took very good care of our clients, creating opportunity for people that wanted to work hard and make good money. And in that business, and again, it's a franchise, so this is where some of the strategy and the vision you know, we we got that from the the franchisor, but we have a very clear 
uh, vision or mission statement in that business. And it's to help take our clients frustration and pain and turn it into enjoyment and love, right? We take some of the most frustrating areas of their home, their pantry, their, their cabinets under their sinks, and we make it very functional. We make it easier to get to everything. We make it, um, just more enjoyable. Right. And, and there and I, is your purpose statement right there. Yeah, right? exactly. So, but you're the, taking but that's, pain away. Yeah, exactly. And it sounds cheesy. I realize, like we're talking about shelving here and, and I, I didn't fully buy into this when we got into the business, but now that we've been in it for years, I mean, I've seen firsthand. You have have no idea how much pain I took away yesterday from myself by installing two massive gorilla racks in my garage. Yeah. The pain is real. Yeah, it is, man. (laughs) I mean, we cheesy at all. We literally have clients, you know, with tears of joy after we are finished. And, and it's, so I guess the, the point I'm getting at is to, to those listening out there that, that are like, yeah, this all resonates with me, but I don't, I don't have that, that like idea that, that just lights me on fire to go start a business. Like I, I'm a believer that, and I mean, to, to your points from earlier, right. You got to take care of your, your employees or your team. You got to take care of your clients, whatever your product or your service is. And, and, and the one thing I, I very much believe is that if you're going to get into business, you need to really believe that whatever you're offering does truly add value to your clients. You don't want to be in a business where you feel like you're ripping people off or you know they're not actually getting value proportionately to what they're paying you for it. But assuming all of that lines up, in my experience, and I've helped a lot of other people get into businesses where the, the end service or the end product is like, I mean, it's not like what I grew up being passionate about, but uh, it's a great product. It's a great service. My clients get value from it. And then with building that, you can get very passionate about building the company, doing it the right way. And I mean, for us, one of our favorite things about owning businesses has been creating opportunity for people. I mean, we're very big on hiring people that may come in at a more entry-level position, but we look for people that are hungry and have the potential to grow with us, right? So as our businesses grow and as we keep adding other businesses, we want people that can grow with us and, and take on more responsibility. I think we need to distinguish between two things that you, that you said, Wes. One is, am I trying to escape corporate America? The other one is, what is the business that I want to build? Those are completely different motivations. If you want to escape the red race, your basic motivation is a, I want to get away from something. Building a business needs to be, I want to get towards something. You can't, it's like like a relationship. If you run away from a marriage, you you think you will be happier because you run away from it, right? But if you want to build a lucky or a happy relationship, you need to be able to work towards something, not to run away from something. So the same is true in the world of business. If you want to escape the corporate rat race, entrepreneurship is not necessarily the answer. There are different answers to that. If you want to build a business, You need to be passionate about the business. The passion about the business comes as you grow the business, as you are successful. But the initial initial spark 
needs to be there. If you under, if if you believe you can start a business and work less than before, it's probably be very very disappointing for you. Being oh, an entrepreneur is absolutely. a lot of work. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, what? Because I I've worked with probably hundreds of people at this point that they were absolutely trying to get away from something in corporate America, but they also through, through understanding what they were trying to get away from, they also knew what they were trying to get towards and building their own business was that I'm sure I'm not saying that for everyone that's like miserable in their job, go start a business. Cause you're right. I mean, if, if you're miserable in your job, cause you're just working too many hours, like just go find a job where you get more vacation time or something, I guess. But um, I think a lot of people through seeing what they don't like, right. And what they're trying to get away from, it even gives them more clarity on what they're trying to get towards. And, and so those are the people that, that I'm really talking to. Um, and, and I've helped a lot of people get out of corporate America, go on to build their own business, be very successful, be very happy with it. Um, I just feel like a lot of people, whether it's, they're trying to get out of corporate America or whatever, they feel that they, they feel like they want to build a business, but they get stuck and they never do anything because they don't know they don't know what that business is. They don't have that that revolutionary idea that's like, hey, this is this is what I want to do. And I've I've also seen it the other way around where someone starts a business out of passion and then two years into it, they're absolutely miserable because the reason they started, like let's say they're uh passionate about baking, right? I think that's the example in the e-myth. <laughs> uh and then two years into it, they're like, well, I'm not really baking at all. I'm doing all this other crap that I've never yeah. done before, not enjoying doing. So I think there's, it really just all comes down to getting clear on, on what you want. Um, and, and if what you want involves building a business, then uh, thinking through, you know, what, what is your role as the business owner going to be? And like we talked about at the top of the episode, you know, outsourcing the things that you aren't good at or, or don't want to do. Absolutely. And getting a very good strategy in place to, to help you go out and build the business that you want to build. You better do that. Yes. <laughs> um, hey, you've, you've, I wanted to make sure we hit on this quickly before we wrap up. You've got a book coming out. Um, it's the nine elements of organizational identity, I believe is the, the title or at least the it's working probably title. A bit more the concept and the framework in the book. Uh, the, the title is not a hundred percent fixed okay. yet. Yep. So yep. The book will come out early 2022, most likely. Um, and it basically captures um, the framework that I built um, and the step-by-step process of bringing it to life. Um, it's the essence of what I've been doing for quite some time now, um, written down in a way that anyone can just take it and run with it. Um, and um, the resources and, and the courses along with that book, they will launch um, in the fall um, in 2021. So um, there will be an, an eight-week masterclass for entrepreneurs available where um, you learn step-by-step step about those nine elements and how they help you build a more successful business. Very, very hands-on. It's not an academic theoretic course. It's very hands-on. And um, if you want to get a taste of it already, just go to my website, alexthestrategist.com. Right there on the landing page is the button for the free toolkit download it and start working with it. No good comes from sitting around and not doing nothing. Just start working. Completely agree. If people take away one thing from this podcast, I hope it's that, which is 
just get to work. You can sit around and strategize and theorize and come up with plans until you're blue in the face, but until you get to work and start implementing, nothing's going to happen. So um, where can people learn more about you, connect with you, learn about the masterclass that's coming up, find some of these great resources that we've talked about. Of course you find me on every major social platform from LinkedIn to Instagram. Um, you, I, I guess you're one source where you find all the links and all the toolkits and checklist and, and free article library is my website alexthestrategist.com. You will also find the social links there. Reach out to me, um, seriously. Book a free call with me if you want um, to learn uh, more about the toolkit. If you work through the toolkit and you find some barriers and you just don't know what to do with it, just let's jump on a call. I won't charge you for that. I'm really about helping you guys build better businesses. Yeah, no doubt. And the little bit I've gotten to know you, very clear to me that you're you're genuinely uh, excited to help other business owners and and help them develop better strategies, implement those strategies. And, and you've put together a lot of great resources uh, free of charge so, to help people do that. So take advantage of, of all of that. We'll link the website in the show notes. Uh, before I let you go, if you got like 30 seconds more, I got to run you through my lightning round. These are the same four questions I ask every guest that comes on the podcast. Uh, first question of the lightning round is what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? And that could be in business or in life. Don't go for second best baby. And yes, that's a Madonna song reference. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It goes hand in hand with uh, Talladega Nights, right? If you're not first, you're last. I love it. All right. Next question. Do you have any sort of a morning routine, anything you do or try to do every morning to prime yourself for a successful day? My mornings are a disaster because it heavily depends on when my son woke up. Um, and it also heavily depends on when my first calls are in my calendar. So I work a lot for clients overseas. So sometimes I start as early as 530. Yeah. There is not much time for a routine in those cases. But if the sleep of my son permits it and my ca calendar permits it, my morning routine is sitting down with a family and having breakfast. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, we've got a couple young ones too. I think you said yours is 19. Yes. Months? Okay. So my youngest is, uh, almost nine months at this point. And, uh, yeah, any, any shot I had at, at having a morning routine prior, uh, <laughs> it's, it's definitely fallen this to the struggle wayside. Is real. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. So, uh, sometimes just getting a shower in the morning is like a, a, a good, good routine for me these days. Um, what book are you reading right now? I'm reading The Ministry of Common Sense by Martin Lindstrom. It's a book about red tape and how to overcome it just by common sense. Mm, it's, interesting. It's, I, I totally recommend it. Um, it's, a, it's a book that I got into when I, um, when I transitioned over to, the, to North America. Okay. The, the, the term red tape was never on my radar before. Ah. And... Um, I quickly realized what red tape is. So using was, some common sense to overcome it is really helpful. I was going to say, you were probably running into red tape for years. You just didn't know to exactly call it red that. tape, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll have to check that one out. The Ministry of Common Sense. Um, final question is, what is your definition of freedom and are you living it? My definition of freedom is um, being able to put on my helmet in the middle of the day jump on my Harley and just ride for two hours. 
Boom. because I can, because I, I have the freedom to do it. Um, and um, I'm not compromising on family time or on my business at the same time. It's just the fact that I, I know I can afford doing it from a time perspective. I think that is freedom to me. I love it. Well, Alex, thank you so much for joining me here. Thanks for everything that you shared with me and with the audience. I know I've learned a, lot, a, a ton from talking with you. I have no doubt that the audience will as well. Uh, and just thanks for everything that you're doing. Um, I think you're you're very inspiring and it's clear to me that you uh, do really care about what you do and the people that you work with. So keep up the great work. And uh, again, appreciate you dropping in here on the Path to Freedom podcast. Likewise, Wes. Great to be here. And um, I honestly believe you put out a lot of great content for your audience. Thank you very much. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.